the Turk, Catholic or Muslim. Brettschneider was beginning to despair of catching either of them out. But all the same, Mr. Palivitz, you'll admit that it's a great loss for Austria. Schweig replied for the landlord. Yes, indeed, there's no denying it. A shocking loss. What's his widow going to do now? Marry a new archduke? How would that help her? She'd only go with him to Sarajevo again and be widowed a second time. You know, years ago there was a gamekeeper in Tzliff. Some poachers shot him and he left a widow and two little babes. Within a year she married another gamekeeper from Midlovere, and they shot him too. She went to the office of His Highness the Prince at Holubica and complained that she'd had trouble with those gamekeepers, and so they recommended her a fellow called Yare, who was a water bailiff. And you know what? He was drowned when they were fishing the lake out. So then she took a pig gelder from Vodnane, and one night he hit her over the head with his axe and went and gave himself up. When they hanged him afterwards, he said he didn't regret anything, and he also said something extremely nasty about his imperial majesty. Brettschneider looked hopeful. You don't happen to know what he said. I can't tell you, because no one dared repeat it. But it wasn't the usual sort of insulting remark which people make about His Imperial Majesty when they're tight. And what sort of insulting remark do people make about His Imperial Majesty when they're tight? asked Brettschneider. Come, gentlemen, said Palivetz, please change the subject. Somebody might talk out of turn and we'd be sorry for it. What sort of insulting remarks do people make about His Imperial Majesty when they're tight? repeated Schweik. All kinds. Get drunk, have the Austrian national anthem played, and you'll see what you start saying. The old gentleman really doesn't deserve it. Just think. His son Rudolf, suicide. His wife, Elizabeth, stabbed. His brother, the Emperor of Mexico, put up against a wall and shot. And now they've shot his nephew. A chap needs iron nerves for that. And then some drunken bastard starts to swear at him. If the balloon went up today, I'd go as a volunteer and serve his imperial majesty to my last drop of blood. Schweik took a deep draught of beer. Do you really think his imperial majesty is going to put up with this sort of thing? If so, you don't know him at all. There'll have to be a war. Serbia and Russia will help us. If we have war with the Turks, the German may attack us, because the Germans and the Turks stick together. You can't find bigger bastards anywhere. But we can ally ourselves with France, which hates Germany ever since she was attacked in 1871. There won't half be a bloodbath. I won't say any more. Schweik looked beautiful in this prophetic moment. His simple face, smiling like a full moon, beamed. Everything was so clear to him. Brettschneider stood up. You don't need to. Just come along with me into the passage. I've got something to say to you. Schweik followed him into the passage where the plainclothes police officer announced that he was arresting him. Schweik tried to explain that the gentleman must be mistaken, that he hadn't uttered a single word capable of offending anyone. However, Brettschneider told him that he had in fact committed several criminal offences, including the crime of high treason. Then they returned to the pub, and Brettschneider showed Palivetz his badge. Are you married? he said. 
I am. And can madam run the business in your absence? She can. Good, said Brad Schneider. Call your wife, hand over the business, and we'll come for you this evening. Oh, don't worry, said Schweik. I'm only being arrested for high treason. But I've been so careful, moaned Palivets. What have I done? You said the flies shitted on his imperial majesty, said Brett Schneider. With that, Schweik was escorted to police headquarters. And this is how the good soldier Schweik, in his own sweet, charming way, became involved in the Great War. The Sarajevo assassination had filled police headquarters with numerous victims. When they locked Schweik up in one of the numerous cells on the first floor, he found six persons already assembled there. Five were sitting round the table, and in a corner a middle-aged man was sitting on a bunk as though trying to avoid the company.